Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Numbers matter. Often we hear a specific number and we can recall something uh, equally specific. If I say 1492, you say, nice. Here's a very Lutheran one, 1517. Yeah, Luther nails the 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, essentially beginning the Reformation. 1776? Yeah, the American Revolution. 9-11? Yeah. A day not uh, fondly remembered, but today is the anniversary of the attacks uh, on the United States uh, particularly in New York for me, having uh, lived in Albany, uh, just a couple hours north of there. Vivid memories of that day. Anyone in New York, oddly enough, the first thing we remember, it was a beautiful day, exquisitely beautiful. Somebody who was there is nodding. It, it's an odd memory, but it was just an exquisitely beautiful, clear day. And then it became so dark and horrific. The planes happened to be hijacked right over where I was in Albany, New York, and then they followed the Hudson River down. And ever since then, 9-11 has so many different memories. And so many people still today grieving and remembering even today. Numbers matter. One of the biggest temptations in a church and among pastors is also that focus on numbers. We look at budgets. How are we doing? How are we going to make budget? Do we have enough money to pay the bills? We look at attendance. How many people were in church? How many people were in which service? We count baptisms. We count conversions. To be honest, pastors do this when they get together. How many are in your church? How are you guys doing this week? How's it going? And it's not completely unfounded. Even the Bible does this in a number of places. It talks about numbers. Two loaves and fishes fed how many people? 5,000. We read in Acts chapter 2. Uh, that There were about 3,000 that were converted that day. They counted at times. But in doing that, Jesus this morning uh, in these two parables kind of flips the tables. There's a context for our reading this morning in Luke chapter 15. It says, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. Of course they were. They were drawn to his message of love and forgiveness, of, of grace. But as always, the Pharisees, the scribes, they're grumbling. Oh, look who this guy eats with. He eats with sinners. He eats with those people. Well, they don't understand. They don't understand the purpose of Jesus. 
Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He came with a specific purpose. So he tells them. He tells them these parables in order to teach. What does he teach? We have this proposal. What man of you, what any of you, put yourself into this story, Jesus says. If you have a hundred sheep, and if you lose one of them, you're counting at the end of the day, they're coming into the pen, you're making sure you have them, and you get to 99. Oops, one is missing. I think the first thing that I do is I recount. Come on, I must have missed one. Nuts, 99 again. Now what? Well, Jesus says, you go after. You leave those that are safe in the pen and you go after the one that is lost. You've got 99. But you go after the one that is lost. And more than just going after that one, when you find that one, what do you do? You bring it back, that picture, the beautiful picture of Jesus with the lamb over his shoulder, bringing this one lost, and sometimes you may assume injured or weak or tired sheep, and you bring it back. And when you bring it back, it's not done then. You call together your friends and your neighbors and say, rejoice with me. I'm happy. I want you to be happy with me. Celebrate with me. I have found the sheep that was lost. It's the same. He says, there's a woman. Let's take a woman with 10 silver coins. She loses one. What does she do about it? Well, hopefully it'll turn up. No, that's sometimes my attitude. But no. Rather than just saying, well, I still got nine, I'm fine. She sweeps the house. She looks diligently. She lights a lamp. She looks in the corners until she finds the one coin. And again, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin. Now, as Jesus tells these parables, he's telling them for a reason. Remember, a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So what are we trying to learn? Well, he's very specific at the end of both of these. He says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is joy before the angel over the one sinner who repents. He's telling this parable to teach, to teach us something about God. It's not done here after he tells this parable. It's actually a setup for a longer parable He's going to tell the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who was lost, who came back. And when he comes back, what does the father do? He throws a party. And yet the brother grumbles, right? 
Oh, I've, ne I've been good. You've never thrown me a party. You've never killed the fattened calf for me. Time to rejoice. The lost is found. The whole community, the whole community rejoices. Let's have a party together and do it. Why have a party? I mean, it's kind of weird. I've gone to birthday parties and anniversary parties. I've never gone to a lost sheep party. I've never gone to a party with somebody who found a lost piece of jewelry or a coin or something precious. But what he wants us to understand is that the attitude of the shepherd, the attitude of the woman, is the attitude of God. Now, God could have scolded that sheep, punished it, left it on its own. It's just one small sheep. What does it matter? But he rejoices. It's the purpose of Jesus, and it's his joy when he finds the lost. He's intentional about it. I'm going to go and find. I'm going to seek and I'm going to save. I'm not just going to sit here and hope they come back. I'm going to them where they are, where they are hurting, where they are missing, and I'm going to find them and bring them back. That is his purpose. It's why he came to earth. Well, they messed it up. Hopefully they'll find their way home. No. Jesus came to us, suffered with us and for us and because of us, all to bring us home, to redeem us, to seek us out in our lost condition and find us and carry us on his shoulders when we've been lost and wandered and left. Let's come home. Let me take you home where there's healing and restoration and safety and pasture. That is the purpose of Jesus. It's why he's there. That's why he's having that meal with these fair tax collectors and fair and sinners. The Pharisees don't get it. And I think sometimes the challenge is that we sometimes forget that as a church. We forget that it's our purpose as well. What is our mission statement as a congregation? Connecting disconnected people to the joyful community of the caring Christ. To connect disconnected people. Those who, who were part of the flock, but whenever and for whatever reason have left. To connect disconnected people to Christ, to be that under-shepherd and to help bring them home, to find them wherever they've gone and to pick them up and if need be, carry them back to the flock, back 
the shepherd back to Christ. Why? Because to God, one lost sinner is valuable beyond measure. He cares for those people. You are valuable to God beyond measure. You are much more than a number. Equally so is that person who's not here too. As your pastor, as the Lord's under-shepherd, I'm worried about them right now. I'm not worried about you right now. You're here. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. I loved you. But I'm worried about those of our flock who aren't here. Why? Why aren't they here? What's wrong? Where are they? What's going on in their life? Who are they? Where are they? And how are we seeking them? Because living life in the flock of our shepherd means a constant concern for the lost. Because God is concerned for all his sheep. God is concerned for you. I told the staff and the council this week that I'm doing something very intentional. I'm going through our directory, calling specifically those people who I don't know or don't know well, and saying, who are you? Where are you? I want to get to know you. I want to know how you are. I'm the new guy. I'm still trying to figure all y'all out, let alone them. And that's where you also can be valuable. Who's not here? Who do you know or remember that you used to see regularly, but you haven't seen in a while, and you don't know why? Have you gone after them? Have you left the flock, gone after that one that you don't see, that you don't know, and asked, how are you? What's going on? I haven't seen you. I'm concerned about you. How do we all live out this gospel parody and walk along with Jesus in this paradigm, this shift this way of, of being that says we're concerned for the lost. How do we connect disconnected people? It's what the kingdom of God is all about. At some point, I'm going to run away too. Maybe not completely leaving the church, but I'm going to do that thing I know I shouldn't do. I'm going to doubt my faith and lose my trust and my hope in the Lord, at least temporarily. And I count on our gracious God who loves me enough to reach out and care and bring me home. 
And I trust that people around me will do the same in his name as they see that. And I ask you to join me on that same journey, to be a part of that loving shepherd who cares for his flock and for the lost. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for that love that you have for your sheep, especially your deep concern over your lost ones. Lord, thank you. For so often in our lives, we're the ones that are lost and wandered away. Lord, give us that same concern for the lost. Open our eyes to those who aren't here. Teach us to go after them in your love and to rejoice with them as they return, as they are found, as they are brought back into your fold. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you care for everyone, especially the lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.